Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I am Brett Nolan of AppAct.net and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I battle titans, warlocks, and traps in our quest to get a $1,200 iPhone. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. Having a little sticker shock at that price right there. <laughs> I know. And that's like that's the entry model. So who knows? Like, this is insane. Yeah, the Apple News, really, we don't have the greatest. So it's pretty much just that rumor roundup idea in the middle of summer as we get closer to that September unveiling. And that $1,200 entry-level price is kind of rumors are combining together to kind of solidify that idea. Yeah, I mean, this is, by entry-level, we're talking about the new iPhone 8, not the 7S Plus and 7S. This is the new, brand-new, awesome iPhone 8 this supposedly at the very lowest model of that phone, it's going to cost you $1,200. Right. The 7S and the 7S Plus are going to maintain the price points of the iPhone 7, but then there's going to be that new top tier, whether they call it iPhone 8, iPhone X, iPhone Pro, whatever it is, that device where it has edge-to-edge screen and it's OLED screen with Touch ID or a iris scanner built right into the screen and super deluxe camera, super deluxe everything, that is essentially going to start at 1200 bucks. And then, of course, there's going to be the different tiers for the storage amount. So if you want that bigger tier, you're going to look at higher than 1200 too. Well, I'm hoping that if it is $1,200, <laughs> which I really don't want it to be $1,200, that, that at that lowest tier, that's going to be enough space for me. Like, what are they going to start at? Is it going to be 128 Is it going to be 256 I don't know what it's going to start at. I really 32. hope for that kind of money. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Not a chance. Uh, 16. No. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping it's 256 at least at that, because I would really like to go to 256 with my next iPhone, but... I don't know. I would have to see. I really hope it's not $1,200. Like, that is a lot of money. Then I'm going to be paranoid with that expensive of a phone in my pocket. Do I then get Apple Care or some? Like, I'll have a case on that thing, no doubt. But do I get some other kind of protection plan just in case for some reason I drop it or something and. I'm out 1200 bucks or have to replace it somehow. Like I would be so paranoid having that expensive of a phone. And then of course there'll probably be store or supply constraints on that model because Apple's putting these cutting edge technologies into it and even though it's going to have the higher price point, I'm sure a lot of people want something that looks different because the 7S will largely resemble the iPhone 7, so you got to know that I upgraded, so I'm going to have this <laughs> top-of-the-line phone, and there's even rumors that they're going to have a mirror finish, which sounds like the scratchiest scratcher device they could possibly make. Well, did we have like the shiny metal on, what was it, the original iPhone or one of the one of the early iPhones had that and it got super scratched up. And then they had it on some of the iPods as well. And they just got totally scratched up. Any of that shiny surfaces, you're just asking for scratches. And then just to keep in mind that $1,200 price, the iPhone is 650 bucks. It starts at that for the iPhone 7 32 gigabyte model. 
so they're essentially doubling the price at the comparative entry levels. So, I mean, it's not like, oh, it's $200 and then it's 1200 bucks because we have this new frontier of, you know, you pay full price whether you have a contract or not. But it will be interesting if Apple, what the monthly price is that they come up with for their iPhone upgrade program on that iPhone 8. Uh, well, usually it's pretty much in line with uh, whatever the, the – it just divides it by the X number of months. It, theirs is only slightly higher only because they include the Apple Care, but you're basically paying the same price you would normally pay plus the price of Apple Care divided by the 24 months or 30 months, whatever your your payment plan is. So you're going to basically pay full price plus the cost of Apple Care. Is you're not going to pay any more than you would by Apple. But will it be easier to stomach when you see it at that price? No, not really, because I'll know that I'm spending twelve hundred dollars on a phone. Uh, it's even if I'm like dividing that, it up. Yeah, it's kind of like that eighteen hundred dollar entry level MacBook Pro with the Touch Bar, because they offer the Function Key version and it starts at twelve ninety nine now. So. It has lower storage capacity. It has a less processor. But when you directly compare it, it's $1,300 versus $1,800. So now you're going to have this phone that's $650 versus $1,200. No matter what specs are different, that's a big leap just to whatever changes Apple's going to try to sell right. you on. Yeah, they're going to have to do something to say to justify this price. And they, they didn't do it well when they had the whole touch bar thing and jacked up the prices of the MacBooks. So... I don't see how they're really going to justify a double the price cost, even with the things that we already mentioned that are going to be in this phone. It's and plus, it's not going to be twelve hundred. It'll be eleven ninety nine to try to trick you into thinking, "Ooh, it's a bargain." But it's still a lot of money. I, I have no doubt it's going to sell at twelve hundred bucks, but that is a lot of money, especially when you have. Granted, they're not as nice, but the Samsung Galaxy S8, that's nowhere near 1200 bucks. I think that's what, like 800 bucks, 700 bucks, something like that. It's not $1,200, and that's going to be like the direct competitors. They, I know Apple always charges a premium, but still, that's kind of ridiculous. That's Yeah, that's more than an Apple tax. That's like an extreme... <laughs> idea especially you can get a computer for 1200 i mean you can get a macbook not like a, I know. a acer computer but you can get a macbook for 1200 bucks <laughs> i know well we said the same thing about the ipads like people are still buying those at the insane price but i don't know yeah i guess because it's so small i mean granted it's as powerful as a computer but it's so small and people are not used to paying that much money for a phone that it's going to be a tough pill to swallow when when the time comes i'm i'm really hoping these rumors are wrong but i have this bad feeling they're right on the money i'm sure no samsung wants it to do well and set a new price point a new premium tier that customers come to expect to pay True. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> other companies, if they can start raising their prices or the, uh, on the flip side, they're happy Apple's charging insane amounts of money because maybe they'll win some customers back and or people won't go over to Apple because they just don't want to spend that kind of money on a phone. Yep. And so we'll know in just a couple months exactly how much this phone will cost and exactly what you get for that cost. <laughs> yep. 
But in the meantime, there's apps to use on your old broken down iPhone. And the first <laughs> one is Enlight PhotoFox, which it's essentially Enlight 2. It's a sequel that changes it from a paid app to a subscription service while maintaining the main ideas of the app where you have that double exposure idea, easy accessing multiple layers and combining them together, and then also quick access to filters and basic editing functions. And it does that, but it changes the interface. And like I said, it makes it a subscription service. So the old version, you paid, I think it was $3.99. There's sometimes it's on sale for 2 bucks, And you have the app. You can edit a million billion photos for eternity. But now, in Light Photo Fox, you have to pay $3.99 a month. And that's their current 50% off sale price with the launch just to have access to pretty much the same features as the original with a new interface that isn't necessarily better. Right. I haven't. I didn't use the original, uh, but I believe it's still on the App Store. I think you can still get the old one for three ninety nine. I'm not. I'm not positive about that. I was just going to try to click on and see. But I. It. I, I'm looking at. I, I hadn't used it, but I, just looking at the screenshots, it definitely looks like it's a much easier to use interface on the the old version of the app versus this now subscription base. And it seems like for what they give you for free is very limited on the new app where they're kind of trying to drive people towards the subscription, but it's not the type of app that you'd really be using necessarily all the time. Like it's kind of, if you wanted to do like a artsy type of project, you might use it, but it's not going to be something you're going to go to every day or otherwise your pictures are going to look the same sort of style over and over and over again. I don't know. It just, for me, it just didn't look that great. I was trying to kind of figure out what the sequel does because the original, it is still available in the app store and it's become my kind of default photo editing app for quick edits on your device simply because they have that basic adjust mode where you have HDR style filters to essentially just improve the look of your pictures and then you can target specific areas to adjust the exposure, brightness, and then you have all those familiar tools like Heal Tool or Tilt Shift or Reshaping the Photo. Those are all available in the original. It was tough to find a feature set that wasn't in the original that's in the sequel. It seems like a repurposing rather than a true sequel. Well, the original, I'm looking back, and it came out in 2015. It looks like it went free one day. And actually, I own this app. I've never used it, but I guess I got it when it was free that one day in October of 2015. And my guess is they just aren't making money for on it anymore, and they needed a way to get an income stream because people maybe got it free or they already own it. And this was their best way to get attention back to the app was to offer this now paid uh, subscription model version of it. Yeah, and... I don't know how many people are going to be sold on that because they have left the original on the App Store and you pay one price and you fully get to use it. Because even if you had, I guess it's built on the idea that Adobe has that subscription service for using Photoshop and they want to kind of tie into that idea. And it can do some stuff like Photoshop, but it's more kind of stylizing your photos than like a deluxe photo editor like we've talked about in the past available for iOS. Right, right. It's because of that stylized nature of it. It's not going to be like a tool that you're going to be pulling this out to edit 
all of your photos. You're going to be using this for very specific reasons. And I think that's what hurts it. If it were more of like a general tool that you'd want to be pulling out all the time, then the subscription model makes sense. But where it's just so particular, it just doesn't seem like the type of thing that is designed for a subscription model. And I think they're trying to pigeonhole it into that, and it just doesn't work. It's better as a paid app or a one-time paid app or uh, to maybe a free app, but you pay money to unlock additional features within the app, not a subscription, but a one-time payment, and then you own these other filters or these other tools within the app. It just doesn't make sense as a subscription model. Yep. But it now is available as a choice. You can try it for free, which wasn't available on the original. But then if you, I, for me, if you try the new version and like kind of the features that it provides, I would go and look to download the old version rather than upgrade to the pro version of the sequel. Yep. And so that's in Light Photofox. It's free. It's universal. And that means there's some new games that came out. And this week doesn't have like, the big high profile kind of releases and instead there are four relatively small free games the first one's drop wizard tower it's published by Natromi, and it's a lot like the original of just drop wizard the tower idea turns it into more endless in nature but the idea is that you have kind of that arena based platformer like a super crate box but you have a wizard every time you drop to a, la- a level below you send out, you know, you cast a spell from your wand and that attacks the enemies and then you need to go back and then kick those enemies to start a cascade where they can run into other enemies and your goal is to clear every single enemy within a given arena to then move up to the next level. Right, yeah. And so if you play the original, this is going to look very similar. I loved the original when it came out. And this is, like you said, it's just more of an endless style to it, which... It's not a bad thing. It just feels like it's more of the same. It doesn't feel like they really changed anything. They kind of it is random how the levels come up. So you're not always going to get the same order of levels every time you play. Unlike the original, where you're basically playing through like a set of levels and trying and fighting off the bosses and trying to make it further as you go. This one is more of a you come in and then you play through as long as you can survive and then you drop out and then next time you come in you have a new challenges because things have changed around but so if you really enjoyed the original the original was a paid app uh even if you say you never tried it because it was paid definitely check out this one because it's that same exact gameplay but you can try it all out for free and then if you want more of that progression uh challenge of making it through all the levels in a certain order definitely think about downloading the original because that was more of like that classic style but it's a it's a fun concept it's it's definitely a unique feel of having to not control necessarily where you're moving but the direction you're facing when you're falling to the next level down to make sure your weapon fires at whatever enemies are coming towards you and then hopefully run over and kick it maybe there's other enemies behind him make sure you kick that other one that you knock down before those can catch up to you and take them all out in like a big clump and they roll around and then there's upgrades you can get to improve your character to help you make it further and it's just a, a fun setup and a really unique kind of style of gameplay yeah and it's not completely endless there's 50 specific levels to get through or you're going to send to the top of the tower with an actual end point but when you die you restart 
from the very bottom of the tower. So you're going to have to go into that cycle. You have to clear all 50 levels to do the completion of the game. But like you said, it's completely random. So each time you play, that level set that you're going to go through isn't the same. So it's not the same slog through. You still are continually challenged. And then within each level, it's a nice intrinsic challenge just because the way you have to really care about how you drop from level to level. Like when you reach the bottom of the level, the bottom of the screen, you're going to come back out at the top of the screen. And you really have to be considerate of where your wizard's going to land, where you left off at. So you're in the right orientation to send a shot either to the left or right. Plus, you don't want to just come land on something. Because usually in platformers, you're used to jumping on enemies' heads to get rid of them. This game, if you do that, you lose. <laughs> yeah, not a good idea. Yeah, well, and then also, if you, it's got that nice mechanism where if you're taking too long, say you have one guy left, if you're taking a little too long to take him out, things start to speed up. So then now you have a little guy that's moving a lot faster. It has that, like, that old classic feel of we waited too long, so now things are getting a little more difficult because you're taking too long. And so now you have to – this guy is moving faster. Now you, he he's moving through the level up and down, going through the bottom, coming back out. You have to try to catch up to him and then time that jump just so that uh, it lines up so that you can take him out. Otherwise, it's going to keep on going and going until you can get rid of them. And then I don't know if we mentioned it, but there are also boss battles as you're going through. And those are kind of neat because they switch things up and you have to use the various enemies that you that you knock out to try to fire against like these larger big enemies. And then, uh, of course, they have little minions they send out. So each one kind of plays a little bit different, but then you learn the way to fight these various bosses and just like a classic platformer where now you're like, Oh, it's that guy. I know how to take him out. And then you just kind of plan your moves and, and take them out and then get to progress further. If you make it by those bosses. Yep. And so that's drop wizard tower. It's free. It's universal. And then there's siege Titan wars, which is a real time strategy game with a lot of units on screen. So you have that classic idea where you have an energy meter, every unit group that you select costs a certain number of energy, and you need to balance that out as you're sending out units. And then you also have magical spells, which include fireballs or burning arrows, but it also includes activating big titans to add to your attack. And so it's a side-scrolling but vertically idea where you send your units and you're heading kind of upwards on the screen, and then your opponent is sending their units downwards on the screen, and you have two towers... Or each side has two towers that act as kind of turret defenses until they reach the other castle. And you have to defend your castle and try to destroy their castle. And it's really an accessible setup. It has the familiar free-to-play ideas. If you played Clash Royale, this kind of has an, that similar idea, but taken pretty much on a bigger scope. So you have a lot more units on screen and a longer area to traverse but it's that same kind of accessible real-time strategy idea just with a different theme and a different idea yeah what was that star wars game where you're doing similar kind of things where you're sending out your various troops and you wait for them to recharge that one had more variety because the cards you had were different types of things where this you're going to have your one set of um I guess they still do come up randomly, which cards you're going to be able to activate. But you have a set of of common things you're always going to have down at the bottom of the screen, where those are your 
your like knight, your archers, your knights, and then you have uh, other things you can you can equip before you go into battle. So uh, by default, I had some wolves, kind of like these beasts I can send out, and then these little t- archery tower things that would kind of roll down and shoot out arrows. And but then you have these other cards that will be random what they come up, and then you have to wait for those to charge. And those are either your spells or uh, the the titans or other things that you have that you can deploy onto the field to try and take out the enemy. The one thing I did notice with the game, though, is based on a bad luck of the draw of what cards come up, you can pretty much be out of the game because as much as you want to keep on deploying all these small troops that are always available, uh, as long as you have enough mana generated, if you don't get titans up in your top, group of cards and they don't come up regularly then odds are you're going to lose the match and because those are the big things that do the most damage they take the most damage and they're going to help you take out the towers and really progress all your smaller units forward the one thing i also did notice is you have the ability to upgrade your various cards because what you'll do is you get these chests they take time and eventually you'll be able to open the chest and they give you new cards when you get two cards of the same type you can then up you can like merge them together and upgrade your current card to give it more power, more health, whatever happens to be more stats, stats on a bunch of things. The one thing I did notice in some of my battles, it was obvious that the person I was going against, while they were ranked at the same level I was at, they had obviously really jacked up their Titans because I would put out my Titans, they would put out their Titans, and their Titans were so powerful, they were just taking out my Titans within like five seconds. So, And it wasn't like other things assisting them. Their Titans were just super strong. So it kind of... If you're willing to either pay for the stuff to to get the better cards or you're willing to put in the time to just unlock chests, even if it thinks you're at the same level, you could still have much better cards than your opponent and easily beat them no matter what. Uh, It did do a good job of trying to match up the same levels, but it just didn't seem like it was apparent that it was doing that based on my own experience. Yeah. The one kind of thing that I like, though, the game is free to play. It has coins and gems, but so you can unlock new cards, add those to your deck so they're available. And a lot of the Titans and special cards were available through coins, not just the premium gems. So it lets you kind of be more into the cycle of games. But then on the flip side, since you can buy your way and they still match you up, they don't change the match system based on how much you've spent. So if we've played the same number of matches, but I spent 20 bucks and you've spent nothing, you're going to have the advantage. Right. And they, exactly. And I don't I think they it could be just a balancing thing. I don't know how this was probably in soft launch, I assume, before it came out. But it seems like some of that stuff still needs to be kind of worked out. But if you like this type of game, I mean, it's fun. And especially as you start to unlock new cards and trying to figure out which things you want to equip and bring in. And then you have that whole, do I try to make my my cards kind of evenly balanced as to how much mana that each one requires to to field? Or do I really go heavy on the high mana cards and try and just hold off the enemy and long enough that I can launch out a bunch of these big brutes and then take them out and just go with that method? So there is some nice strategy there. It's just 
I think it needs a little bit of tuning, but otherwise, yeah, it's a fairly fun and it's free. I didn't really notice much of a hindrance as far as it limiting my play. Uh, you just want to grind through in order to get those chests and then you and then eventually get new cards. Yep, so that's Siege Titan Wars. It's free, it's universal. And then there's Hoggy 2. You don't have to be familiar with the original to jump into this puzzle platformer that uses switching gravity as the main mechanic. And so instead of the usual idea where you go from level to level, you actually are condensed down into, you enter these jars, and each jar is like a single individual puzzle available on the screen, and you're going to have to figure out how to eat all the fruit in a given level. And so to do so, you might need to break blocks or defeat enemies or use the enemies to break blocks and all these little stipulations as you go. And then you un give, each jar gives you a key. If you have enough keys, you then unlock a new set of jars and you keep going along that way of doing the puzzle platformer action. Yeah, I don't remember the first one at all. I, I says I own it, but I don't <laughs> remember playing it. Like this was came out back in 2009. And I started playing this and all of a sudden it tells you how long you've been playing it when you hit like this one little it, within like the levels is this little exclamation point block and I accidentally bumped into it. And all of a sudden it said I was playing for two hours. I couldn't believe I had played for two hours. Like I this you the levels are so nice and bite sized. Some of them are a little bit longer, but you just and there's there's so different from one another. There's all kinds of new little elements that keep on getting introduced. Like they'll have switches where you can turn on and off certain colored blocks. They'll have other ones where there's certain types of enemies that you got to bounce into these clouds to send them careening into other things to blow them up. And it's just it's so much variety within the level design that you just keep on wanting to try more and more levels and see what you get. And then maybe there's one that's really difficult and you can't pass. Well, you can just jump out and go find another one. I even found a section where you can unlock all the levels from the original game for free. All you do is tweet and then you get them all for free. So it, there's so much content within this game and each of the, and it's just so well designed that you just keep on wanting to play and play and play. They've, really done a good job to balance it and then like i said it doesn't you know break it up with this level based structure level one one level one two instead each jar kind of is this continuous experience like i'm going to go into here and figure this out and then i'm gonna go back over here and then if there is one like you said that you're stuck on you can just jump to a different jar because multiple jars are open at once so you have multiple ways to kind of explore and proceed and then the levels build upon one another nicely with relatively different mechanics even though it's a simple accessible idea as you pretty much move left and right and then tap one button to flip gravity to either be walking on the ground or walking on the ceiling and they build that out into a bunch of different ways to challenge you yeah and they make some of the levels are just puzzly other ones require some dexterity and and actually pulling off certain moves so it's a nice mix of of elements and just using the elements. And as far as like that non-linear setup of the levels, one really neat thing they've done is on every single jar, when you get inside, up in the corner, it tells you exactly what jar number this is. So for some reason, you are completely stuck on a level. I haven't tried this yet. There is one that I'm debating going to do in this because I am so stuck. You could probably Google 
uh, up that jar number and find like a playthrough video and figure out how to get past that certain level if for some reason you get stuck. So you're not going to re- have to try to refer to it, oh, that that jar with the eight ball and the bunch of explosion blocks. No, you can just say the number of the jar and f- help yourself find a solution to this or maybe tweet them and maybe they'll help you out and figure out what you need to do. But uh, it's a it's a really neat game. And for free, you are getting so much gameplay. And that is Hoggy 2. It's free. It's universal. Definite standout for this week. And then to round it out is Krakenland, which is a 3D classically inspired platformer game that it's not Mario, but you can tell the influence of Mario. It's not going to compete on the level of a Nintendo console. But for an iOS game, they really deliver that classic idea where you have full range of 360 degree movement and then each level is corresponding with coin pickups, enemies to jump on, and little kind of challenging mechanics including wall jumps as well as double jump and various characters to interact with in that familiar setup where you have a set of levels and then you have like a castle-based boss battle and then a new set of levels and you go to different tropical locations to fit into that Kraken theme idea. Yeah, I thought this was a cute game and I like what they tried to do. But for me, the 3D kind of element of it, it kind of was more distracting than helpful. Like I thought it was more difficult to move around or at least hit the coins while in certain areas because maybe I wasn't far enough up in the screen when I jumped to the right. And so I missed a whole bunch of coins. To me, finding that spatial finding my like centering myself within that spatial area of the game i just found it kind of tough and and frustrating more than enjoying it uh because it was different because of that 3d setup i honestly never stumbled upon that it seemed like there was a nice magnetism when i was around the coins and i could find my you know perspective distance but i guess i could see the problem i just didn't experience it yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a case-by-case basis. If you, I, from, For me, I just struggled with that element of it. Maybe with more play. I haven't played a lot of it yet, but maybe with more play, I'll kind of develop. I did like how they kind of totally – so they'll change the level. So some levels you'll be going – you'll start out by going horizontally, and then all of a sudden now you have to go forward and backward within the level. So you have to go further back into the screen to get another part of the level. And then maybe you'll start going horizontally again. I did like that where they kind of really played with the whole space and had to kind of moving all around both forward and backward, left and right. Uh, It just that one little element of it that I struggle with. And it's just a whole cute setup with this, this little uh, character on the screen and all these little crabs you're jumping on. But uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. I just felt right at home. Platformers are probably my favorite genre, and this game, it just had that whole Mario idea. It's not going to rival it, like I said at the intro, but just to have kind of that inspired by and have that flavor available on iOS was welcome. There's some kind of hiccups in the 3D rendering when you get around edges. The movement isn't as fluid as a Mario game. It's kind of you feel like you're moving in a straight line, you know, like a quad kind of setup where you're moving in the X and Y axis always rather than just like running randomly around. But it's still 
it scratches that itch that a 3D platformer, it's relatively few and far between on the App Store. Yeah, yeah. This isn't something we tend to see in mobile that much just because I think possibly because of the virtual controls and its struggles in that area where people like, especially if you're trying to get a sense in a 3D space, having that physical control can sometimes help with that. Uh, but it definitely, uh, it, I mean, it, it, it definitely, like you said, it scratches that itch on mobile and we don't tend to see a lot of games like this. So it's nice to see someone go ahead and try something like this for iOS platforms. And that's Krakenland. It's free. It's universal. And everything we talked about this week is free to help you save up money for that $1,200 iPhone in the fall. <laughs> yes, you better start saving that. And Brett, thanks for joining me. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure as always. That's everything for episode 26, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later. Talk to you later.